fellow trainers, it's me, Ryan, your childhood friend and mean-spirited rival, here with another episode of I Wanna Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Them All Was Taken. So big news, the Pokemon Direct was yesterday, and Gen 9 was revealed, among some other stuff, and I'm getting Foycoco. I'm picking Foycoco. It's easy. I love that little gator. He is beautiful. I know it's a comment that everyone said already, but all of the Pokemon kind of look like Fakemon for some reason. It's really hard to put my finger on why, but this is the first gen of Pokemon where I'm like, they look fan-made. They do not look like Pokemon the Pokemon Company made. They look like Pokemon that someone who likes Pokemon made. That's not a bad thing, it's just something that's really sticking out to me, and I don't know why. I'm also just saying it for the record right here, Quaxel, uh, the little duck guy, he's gonna become like Don Quixote, I think that's how you say it, because... I don't know. That's just my prediction. I'm basing it purely on the fact that his name is Quaxel with a Q. I think he's going to be Don Quixote. But more important news than that, Hisuian Zorua anime web series. I am excited for that. I love Hisuian Zorua. I love Hisuian Zoroark. Arceus is great, and I am really, really pumped to see a Pokemon anime based in that region. And the fact that they said it's in production kind of proves to me that they didn't think Arceus was going to be successful. If they thought Arceus would be successful, that web series would be done by now. It would have released already. But the fact that they're just starting it, they did not expect Arceus to be as big of a hit as it was. It it was just a surprise, out-of-left-field thing for Pokemon Company. And they're rushing to market it as best as they can. They're like, oh, don't worry, we got an anime, and um, there's going to be DLC, we swear, we swear, we, we got you, babe. But by the way, did you see Gen 9? Because, like, we really want you to see Gen 9 and not Arceus. Can you look at Gen 9? We can market Gen 9. We have new plushies. So that's basically where I think this whole thing went. I I don't think Arceus was meant to be a success. It just was. For just reason. It was a good game. I also want to know where Pokemon Sleep is. Just give me Pokemon Sleep. I want to fall asleep with a Pikachu, please. And by the way, speaking of Pikachu, that Pikachu in the direct that, like, just kind of popped up in the background this was like pika that was terrifying dude that was so scary i jumped a bit in other news this episode is only going to cover three of the anime episodes today since the two of them after it are also kind of multi-part but i swear next episode will be back to four like it kind of starts becoming episodic after that again it, it it just works out better this way to cover all three of these as their own sort of saga and you'll see what i mean in a little bit God, I wish I had more time. Like, this is not just this project, but just everything is eating up so much time. I need more time to record stuff. I need more time to just relax and play games. I keep meaning to. My library just keeps growing and growing and growing. Hopefully the Steam Deck, when that comes out, will fix that, but I'm not counting on it. I am getting a new computer, though, so that's something. And speaking of time, I am recording this The last day I have available to record before I have to go back to work, and I'm going to have to rush to get this out, because today is also going to be very busy. It's going to be rough for me, I'm not going to lie. This is going to take a hot minute, and I'm probably going to have to stay up till like 6am finishing this. But you guys get it at 1pm on a Friday, or like, the next day if you're on Google Play, because Google uploads really, really slow. So, because of that, I know you just want me to jump right into episode 15, Battle aboard the St. Anne. Synopsis. Ash and his friends are invited aboard a luxury cruise, the St. Anne. 
However, it turns out to be a trap by Team Rocket to steal the Pokemon of everyone on board. Meanwhile, Ash grapples with the morality of trading his beloved Pokemon to a stranger. This episode starts out pretty simple. Ash is just admiring his new badge in the sunlight. Yes, I see. And then him and his friends realize a cruise ship is in the distance and rush right over to get a closer look. The group daydreams about boarding it, but becomes depressed when they realize they won't be able to afford it. As they start to walk away sadly, a very tan and very blonde Team Rocket show up and give them free tickets, while James says cool a lot. The famous St. Anne? Cool! The coolest ship on the sea! Oh! Everyone's going to be together and, like, have the coolest party! Cool! And the party's for Pokemon trainers only! Cool! Step this way! <laughs> it's very surreal. While they are initially suspicious, very justifiably, the group then takes the tickets after an explanation that the two SoCal girls just want to go on a date and have the tickets and need to give them to cool Pokemon trainers. It's a very flimsy argument, but the group just takes it. Team Rocket, after dumping the tickets on the group, runs over to a lighthouse to let their boss, Giovanni, who is shrouded by shadow, know that the St. Anne is now full of trainers. And it's revealed to us that the boat is actually a trap by Team Rocket to steal a bunch of Pokemon from easy, trapped targets. Oh no! Meowth also gets upset at being replaced by a Persian as his boss's favorite Pokemon, something that will come up every so often over the course of the rest of the series. Ash's group just gets on board the cruise, no problem, no sign-in or anything, and marvel at all of the trainers and Pokemon merchandise. They then come across and witness a battle between a Starmie and the Gentleman Oil Baron's Raticate, with the Raticate winning very quickly. His hot trophy wife then comes over and congratulates him. For trainer of the day, this man is living the life. Ash runs over to challenge the gentleman next, using Butterfree. Misty wonders if Ash can win, while Brock says that's actually a good matchup. Which is kind of true, actually, since neither of them really have any move that the other is weak against. It does kind of come out evenly. Butterfree stun spores the rap, but before it can land the killing blow, the gentleman stops the match and is like, Aw, oh, let's call it a draw. I'm rich and stuff, and I hate losing, and you're ten and not rich. Bye. To which Ash is justifiably pretty salty about. Meanwhile, James is ushered over by someone with a pretty offensive accent. Boy, boy, hey you boy, come here. Are you addressing me? I want you to have a look at this Pokemon. Huh? What is this thing? The king of all carp, a magic carp. This character of a salesman then convinces James to buy a magic carp, lying about how wealthy it'll make him with its eggs later. James falls for it and buys the fish. This is not actually the last time we see this man, and he later reappears several times, including, like, a pretty recent Journeys episode. Like, this man, like, this man spans years from the late 90s to the 2020s. He is a very, very good salesman, apparently. James then also makes a pretty funny laughing noise. I can tell. <laughs> You're going to be a very rich man. A very rich man. <laughs> <laughs> While Ash and his friends are eating, the gentleman shows up and asks Ash to trade Butterfree for his Raticate, saying that trading is how friendships grow and spread. You know, he kind of sounds like he's using anti-union talk, honestly. Brock, who is extremely thirsty for this man's trophy wife, encourages Ash to make the trade immediately. Should I trade, Brock? Oh yeah, you gotta trade. Everybody should trade. Let's start trading. So Ash and the gentleman make the trade, but Ash seems to immediately regret it. 
Meanwhile, Jesse and Meowth yell at James for using all of their money on a scam Pokemon and demand he return it for their cash back. Meowth also scratches the Pokeball and he's like, It's gold-plated! Even its Pokeball is solid gold! It's just gold-plated! Cutting back to Ash, he sadly wonders if he made the right choice, and questions if the man he gave Butterfree to will take as good care of the bug as Ash did, recalling Butterfree's travels with him. Suddenly, Team Rocket's plan is put into action, and a bunch of disguised grunts reveal themselves while trapping everyone in the dining hall. The people who decided to skip dinner and go swimming or take a nap get off lucky, I guess. Also, apparently the crowd's gasps and yells during this scene are dub exclusive. Like, the original is just completely silent. I think this is actually a great change the dub made. It's a really good call. It actually adds a lot to the scene because, like, because, like, imagine you're in a huge dining hall and everyone is suddenly held at gunpoint while a bunch of robbers start taking money. Like, there's gonna be people going, Oh my god! Oh no! The Team Rocket Grunts then activate these little backpack vacuums to suck up every trainer's Pokeball. And how they suck up only Pokeballs and not silverware, dirt, and whatever else is in there, or how it's able to suck Pokeballs out of the hands, belts, and bags of all the trainers present... Who knows? Magic technology, I guess. Some Team Rocket grunts just huff their way over to Ash and be like, Ah, give me your Pokemon, brat. But then he has Pikachu electrocute them and realizes, Hey, wait a second. We're in a giant room with like 100 skilled trainers. We can just fight back. So all of the trainers that still have their Pokemon start sending them out and then start having them team up as well. A reused shot from episode 2 plays with Pikachu falling out of a wall and then forming a pyramid and zapping a bunch of the Team Rocket grunts. Charmander, Geodude, Bulbasaur, and some Butterfree also form their own attack structures, and Ash sees the Butterfree and tries sending out his own, only to be disappointed when he remembers that he gave his Butterfree away to a complete stranger, and reminisces again about his adventures with Butterfree. Meanwhile, a bunch of Pidgeotto create this giant gust tornado, with the Pikachu following up with another pyramid formation thunderbolt. Several of the Team Rocket grunts are sent blasting off of the ship, probably still having all of the Pokemon they stole with them as they fly away, since there was no chance to recover them. Oops! But the trainers celebrate their victory anyway. Yay! Woo! Yay! Jesse, James, and Meowth sneak away, but James drops his Magikarp after a wave caused by the storm crashes into the boat, and quickly rushes after the ball, with the other two following close behind him. The storm outside starts rocking the cruise ship, which is something modern cruise ships, especially ones that big, should not really be affected by unless they sail, like, directly into a hurricane or something. The captain then insists to the passengers that everything is fine, the boat's unsinkable, it's just a little off course, please stay calm and return to your cabins, etc. While I was taking notes for this episode, I jokingly called him the Pokemon version of Captain Scatino, but then he also flees the ship on a lifeboat while everyone else still hasn't been evacuated, and they just actually got the Pokemon version of Captain Scatino to run this cruise ship. It's incredible. Now there's no reason to panic. I just thought I'd test out one of the lifeboats. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Cost of Concordia. It's a great video. You should watch it. And by the way, with a storm bad enough to rock a cruise ship enough to sink it, I think those lifeboats are just basically death rafts at this point. Despite the storm and evacuation efforts, Ash convinces the gentleman to trade back Butterfree. As soon as he gets his Pokemon back, a wave knocks it out of his hand, so him and the group chase after it, just like Team Rocket did with theirs. 
And then Shocker, another wave hits the boat, but this one not only flips it on its side, but flips it all the way upside down. I don't think that's something that a cruise ship can just do in deep water. Like, just physically, I don't think the buoyancy would let it do that. As the ship starts to sink, Ash, Misty, Brock, Team Rocket, and all of their Pokemon are unconscious on board from the impact and begin to slowly descend to a watery grave as the episode ends. And happily transitions into the Pokerap! Yay! So this episode's very interesting. It's actually kind of hard to talk about because it's pretty direct. There's not much feedback or opinions that can be given. It's fun, it has action, it's goofy, it's dumb, it's vaguely racist. It's everything one could ask for in an early Pokemon episode. One interesting thing to note is that this episode was actually the first one seen by American audiences, as this was aired as a teaser preview for the rest of the series' dub release. Honestly, it's a very good choice for a first episode. It has a bit of everything and ends with a cliffhanger. It's the perfect way to get a kid invested. And also some fun facts. I believe this is the first time Pokemon are traded, it's the first time Giovanni shows up, and it's the first time Team Rocket grunts besides our main Team Rocket trio appear. A lot of firsts. But like I said, there's just... Not much to say here. The summary of the episode kind of has all you need to know, in my opinion. Next up, we have episode 16, Pokemon Shipwreck. Synopsis. After awakening on a sunken ship, Ash, Misty, Brock, and Team Rocket must find their way out of this dangerous overturned cruise and have to work together to do so. That is actually, like, the entire synopsis of the episode. I cannot add to that. That is just what this episode is, and it's great. The episode begins with Officer Jenny holding a memorial for the trainers lost at sea, mentioning Ash, Brock, Misty, Jesse, and James by name. While it's certainly possible that Ash's group had to register their names for the ship or something off-screen in the previous episode, how they knew about the Rocket Trio, who weren't supposed to be on the boat and were probably not reported missing by the police by Team Rocket, is up to your imagination. Maybe Jenny was in on it all, taking bribes under the table by Team Rocket. Wouldn't surprise me. Thankfully, the trainers are relatively fine, with Ash being woken up by his friends and wondering why they're standing upside down. He then quickly realizes that he's the one upside down, somehow hanging by his jacket on presumably bolted down furniture, and falls with comedic timing onto Pikachu, who surprisingly doesn't actually zap him this time, like they missed a zap gag. That's when you know things are serious. Ash looks outside to see more real fish swimming by the window, and realizes with horror that the ship sank. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is just vibing on a warm beach, calmly saying their motto. To denounce the evils of truth and love, to extend our reach to the stars above. Ah, Jesse. James with a perfect tan. As expected, it's very quickly revealed that this is all their imagination, and the two of them were having a psychically linked dream caused by a broken stovetop nearly burning them to death. Jesse, in her infinite wisdom, has Ekans use acid to burn a hole in the floor, causing a bunch of water to rush in on them and drown them. Cutting back to Ash's group, they begin to formulate a plan out. While initially planning on swimming down towards the deck to escape, they realize that may be too risky, and have Misty's Goldeen scouted out instead. While the fish doesn't find a way out, it does find Team Rocket's drowned corpses, which it then brings back to the main group. Team Rocket magically revives themselves and they're about to fight with Ash and Brock, before the ship suddenly tilts to one side due to the weight, revealing it to be in the middle of this like giant rock spike over a chasm which is a very conveniently precarious spot for the ship to sink. The two groups attempt to carefully and quickly use their and their Pokemon's weight to balance out the ship, 
Misty yells to call the Pokemon back, and while Ash and Brock first worry that Team Rocket will beat them in the fight, agree that safety is more important. Team Rocket also hesitantly calls their Pokemon back too, and both groups form an uneasy truce. Misty brags about building her own model St. Anne once, and knows the layout of the ship because of it, saying that they can move to the ship's bottom, carve a hole in the hull, and escape that way. Brock calls out his onyx to form a makeshift stairway to the next level, which somehow doesn't cause the ship to tilt despite onyx weight being like 460 pounds. Using Charmander to light the way, the group then opens a door to find a giant flaming pit with the door far on the other side. James calls Jesse Jessica, which may or may not actually be her real name, and Ash asks Pikachu to shock him in order to jumpstart his noggin. Which actually works! Ash calls out Bulbasaur and uses its vine whip to create a bridge, as the group slowly begins crossing over the fire. James is initially reluctant, but Jesse slaps him and calmly assures him that they'll all cross together and that no one will leave him, before realizing that Ash and the gang have left them and beg for the vines to come back. Real class act, Ash! just willing to spook them with the fear of a fiery and or watery death because they spent a couple of seconds reaffirming their camaraderie. Once they reach the bottom of the ship, Ash has Charmander begin cutting a hole in the hull, as Misty prepares by telling everyone to grab onto a water Pokemon and make for the surface. Team Rocket asks what they're supposed to do, and Misty just repeats herself. You know, instead of offering one of her water Pokemon as a ride, just let them figure it out themselves and maybe drown. Who cares? Ash, Misty, and Brock escape with their water Pokemon, and leave Team Rocket to drown. Thankfully, Team Rocket suddenly remembers that they have a Magikarp and try to escape with it, before learning that Magikarp can't even swim and being washed off deeper into the ship. Ash's group, floating on the makeshift raft, wonders and worries about Team Rocket not surfacing, despite them being the ones who knowingly left them to their own demise. You know their Pokemon team, Misty. It's a snake in a smog cloud. You know for a fact they have no water Pokemon, and you just left them there. Don't be all like, oh, I hope they're okay. Not willing to wait around for them, Brock mentions the tale of Noah's Ark, creating many questions that we don't have time to address, and Ash sends out Pidgeotto to find and bring back evidence of dry land. Instead of finding land, it finds Team Rocket's second waterlogged corpse of the episode and brings them back. The group laments that Team Rocket didn't deserve this, despite being the ones who left them for dead, and then try to push their bodies into the water for a funeral at sea. The trio suddenly wakes up at the last second, knocking Meowth into the water. Meowth climbs back onto the raft, and Pikachu snaps its finger in disappointment, another gif-slash-image set I see floating around on the internet a lot. After a night's sleep, the next day everyone laments how hungry they are, and start to drool over eating Magikarp. But when Meowth tries, Magikarp's scales break his teeth, and Misty calls everyone stupid for not knowing that Magikarp are basically nutritionally worthless. James, in anger, kicks the fish off the raft, causing it to evolve into an angry Gyarados. James tries to control it, being like, I'm your master, listen to me. I'm James, your master, obey me. (laughs) But it fails, so Misty sends out her Pokemon to aid in their Joestar secret technique. How will you battle it? My strategy is... Run away! Unfortunately for them, Gyarados calls for backup and they all use Dragon Rage on the raft, sending it away in a giant water vortex. Ash tries to hold on to Brock, Misty, and Pikachu, but everyone loses their grip and they're sent flying as the episode ends dramatically, and the narrator kind of gets cut off. With things spiraling out of control, will Ash and his friends ever make it to dry land again? Some Pokemon. I honestly really, really like this episode. 
while it still has the goofs and gaffs that make early Pokemon what it is, it takes itself much more seriously, acknowledging the intensity of the situation everyone finds themselves in. As a result, it presents a much more grounded but still extremely enjoyable episode. Plus, seeing Pokemon being used for practical problem solving instead of just battling is really fun to see. Seeing Pokemon being used for things other than battling is not something that just happens often in Kanto episodes, and if it does, it's usually just like one time really quickly. But this episode pretty much revolves around that concept entirely, with each problem being solved by using Pokemon creatively. While Pokemon as a whole later shows the practicality of Pokemon helping with labor and crisis situations, it's nice seeing it happen this early, and it really makes this episode a pretty good one. Okay, let's move on to the final episode for today, episode 17, Island of the Giant Pokemon. Synopsis. Washing up on an island, Ash realizes that he's missing several of his Pokemon, just as Team Rocket realizes the same on a different part of the island. The Pokemon, meanwhile, find each other and begin searching for their trainers. However, all three groups repeatedly have their searches interrupted by mysterious and dangerous giant Pokemon that roam the island. We begin with Ash, Misty, and Brock waking up on the beach. At first, they're thankful to be alive, but Ash quickly panics when he realizes that he's missing Pikachu and three of his other Pokemon. Meanwhile, Jesse and James have their heads to their hips buried in the sand, and are woken up from a Krabby pinching them. They happily say how they're invincible, most likely true, and then worriedly realize that Meowth and their Pokemon are in fact not with them either. Fun fact, Jesse says that she got Ekans for her birthday, and James got his coughing for Christmas. Apparently, in the relatively recent mobile game Pokemon Masters EX, James says that he got coughing from Giovanni, which I think is cute, good boss. While Jesse laments that they're probably going to die on the island, with the sands of their hourglasses slowly running out, James points out that there's a phone booth right over there. Unfortunately, neither of them have any money. Meanwhile, again, Pikachu discovers Ash's Pokeballs and lets out Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. All of the Pokemon for the segments where they're alone are given subtitles, to make it not nearly as awkward hearing them talk in speech to each other for half an episode. The four Pokemon go over and ask a nearby Slowpoke for directions, but predictably, the Slowpoke is unable to answer, since it's dumb as heck, and just starts tailfishing instead. Later that night, the Pokemon continue to look for their trainers. Pikachu and Charmander are worried, Squirtle makes a poor taste joke about them being eaten by wild Pokemon, and Bulbasaur coldly poses that they might have been abandoned. Charmander worries it may be true, but Pikachu defends Ash. Honestly, this is a really small scene, but I like it a lot. It really gives a good show on each Pokemon's personality based on their backstories. Pikachu is loyal to Ash for having been saved by him. Bulbasaur, having lived in a village of abandoned Pokemon, just assumes that's what always happens eventually. Squirtle, part of a troublemaking but close-knit gang, uses dark humor to try and lighten up the situation, but truly believes that Ash wouldn't leave them after all they've been through. And Charmander, having been abandoned and left to die once before, fears that it might happen again, but really hopes that it doesn't. It's kind of a really interesting scene for a children's anime that doesn't really have super strong continuity yet, and is just a throwaway scene in general. A short distance away, Meowth, Ekans, and Coughing watch the group. Meowth tries to ambush and kidnap them, but Coughing and Ekans refuse to listen to anyone but Jesse and James. They also speak in, like, dumb guy English, like, You not master, Pokemon not bad guy. The two go on to say that no Pokemon are inherently bad, and only act that way due to obeying evil people. Kind of like what the Nuremberg Trials disproved. And while they might just mean a generalized all Pokemon, it's not true that all of them are not evil. There are some explicitly evil Pokemon, in fact a couple of them actually show up in Gen 1. 
Meowth, very quickly realizing that he is outmatched, gives up and is tied to a tree while the rest of the Pokemon eat and discuss their next plan. But their talk is interrupted by the sudden appearance of a giant Rhydon. Freeing Meowth, the Pokemon flee, only for our view to then cut to Ash's group fleeing from their own giant Pokemon, a Zapdos that's shooting lightning at them. They manage to hide in safety and worry about the missing Pokemon, and then it cuts to Team Rocket, who is also running, this time from a giant Moltres breathing fire down on them. They run into a sign and fall unconscious. We once again cut back to the Pokemon, who are all eating at a Slowbro-run food stand while crying away their woes. I really wish we saw more Pokemon-run structures like this in the series outside of PMD. I think it's a really fun idea that should be used more. There were also apparently subtitles for this scene in Japanese, but the dub removed them. I'm not really sure why, since they're basically harmless, it's just the Pokemon airing their woes. Maybe they just thought it was unnecessary, I don't know. Also, Meowth and Bulbasaur are drunk, with the former just being completely passed out. After hanging on the shot of all the Pokemon crying for maybe just a little bit too long, all the groups wake up for the new day. Jesse and James rush back over to the phone booth, deciding to take the risk and call Giovanni Collect. But after giving their motto speech, Giovanni becomes really annoyed with them and hangs up. The two then have an idea to follow the cable in the booth to whatever civilization it leads to, staying inside the booth and pulling it along as they go. It is very lucky that this thing was not built into the ground like a, you know, a normal outdoor phone booth. A bit into the pulling, Team Rocket sees Pikachu walking towards them and plan on catching it, but quickly run away when they see it's another giant Pokemon, just avoiding being crushed. Ash's group also encounters another giant Pokemon, this time a giant Charizard, which also tries to murder them. It blows some flames at them and they dive behind a rock. And thus, one of the more iconic scenes of the original opening is created. The Pokemon group then encounters their own giant Pokemon, again, this time a giant Blastoise, and they encourage Squirtle to go talk to it. The poor conversation does not go well, and they are attacked, fleeing and encountering a giant Venusaur next. They try to get Bulbasaur to talk to this one, but he's like, Call me an orphan. I have no family. To which Squirtle calls him a coward, but Charmander says, Haha, good point! Whatever you say, Charmander. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but whatever. Team Rocket, now being chased by a giant Kabutops and still holding onto the phone wire, find and jump into a rail cart that's just sitting there. Instead of moving forward, they accidentally set it to reverse, rushing towards and accidentally using the phone wire to tangle and fell the giant Kabutops. They plan on braking and running for it, but snap the brake lever off, sending them into an unstoppable rail car rush. Ash's group tries to cross a rock bridge, but are stopped by the giant Pikachu. The bridge then collapses out from underneath them due to the earthquake caused by the dragging of the Kabutops, falling into the rail cart with Team Rocket and having Pikachu be caught in the tangle. Team Rocket acts like Team Rocket, and it's great. Now we've got you just where we want you. Hand over Pikachu. Huh? Oh, but not that big one. Ash then sees the Pokemon group being chased by the Charizard and Blastoise in the distance. Ash demands that the cart be stopped, only to be sassily told that the brake broke. And to make matters worse, there's a giant inversion loop on the track. Obviously, a loop on a flat wooden track most likely would not work for a large amount of reasons, but it's an anime that's already in the thralls of a pretty ridiculous plot, so it gets a pass, I guess. The Pokemon, on their stubby little legs, are somehow able to not only catch up to, but also jump into this speeding car, which tangles the Blastoise, Charizard, and Venusaur next, adding them to the mix as well. I actually have a book based off this episode that uses this scene as its cover art, and I always, and still do to this day, 
missee it for like half a second as Pikachu having this little zigzag mouth and wearing a spotted bow tie. Look up the scene, you'll see what I mean. Team Rocket then begins to, without looking, explain what will happen next based on their bad luck. Well, based on our recent run of luck, I would say the cable should snap. That should happen about now. Ah! Next, we'll be hurled into the air. Ah! Then we'll probably crash into something. Honestly, this might be a bit of a dumb trope, but I do find this part funny. Whether it's because I like the trope or just like Team Rocket, I don't know. After sailing into the sky and smashing into Zapdos, they realize that it's actually mechanical as they fall into the water. The broken robot then smashes into and blows up all the other giant Pokebots, just in time for a tour boat to sail by, explaining that this whole island is just a giant attraction full of robots called Pokemon Land. And it is very safe. We'll get into the finale of this episode in just a second, but I want to make note of a few very obvious things. One, this place is not safe, as the Pokemon went on the offensive the second they saw a living creature. And this is not a coincidental, oh, they just got in the path of their pre-programmed attacks, because Blastoise only attacked after it saw Squirtle, and specifically aimed its cannons at the group. Two, even if you argue, oh, well, there was a keep out sign, they're just in the danger zone, tourists aren't allowed in... That is also wrong, since there is a rail cart roller coaster in that area that is definitely meant for guests. What kind of maintenance cart has a loop in it? That was 100% for tourists. So yeah, this park is a death trap that's probably part of some sort of elaborate insurance and or money laundering scheme. Which actually makes a lot of sense, because the very next scene we have Giovanni upset at hearing that his theme park was destroyed. Ash and Co., somehow ditching Team Rocket and, I assume, the police off-camera, eventually make their way through the woods and find that they arrived in the beautiful beach town of Porta Vista. We then see Slowpoke in the sunset catch a shelter on its tail as it evolves into a Slowbro, ending the episode. Honestly, it's another really enjoyable episode. It took some of the seriousness out of last episode and rose the goofiness to compensate, especially in the last, like, five or so minutes of it, but it's just really good. I actually kind of like it when a show splits a group into three different parts because I kind of feel like that's a good number to switch between. I think four is too many and two is too few, but three, you have enough stories all going on at once that can eventually collide where I think it's very interesting. I actually I actually really like Odd Taxi for this reason where it's a bunch of kind of different stories that all meld together into one giant finale and it's it's just something that I kind of enjoy a lot. I also sort of accidentally gave my main commentary about this episode during the episode, but that's because that was the best time to do it. It would be really weird talking about how it showed all the Pokemon's personalities outside of the scene's context. Just know that this episode is goofy, fun, and is a really strong end to the St. Anne trilogy. This trilogy as a whole is actually kind of hard to talk about. While it's very good, it's not really quotable, and outside of the last episode doesn't really have any scenes that can like be focused on and talked about for a while but it's just a very very good trilogy and there's a reason that people generally remember one of these three episodes at least when they look back on the pokemon anime it's because they're really fun and goofy and just very very early pokemon-esque like that you don't get this kind of stuff in diamond and pearl or black and white Maybe Sun and Moon, but not to this degree. Like, this is full-fledged silliness off the walls. They're making stuff up as they go, and it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. All right, that's going to be it for today. Like I said, um, next podcast episode, I'm going to be covering four of the anime episodes. 
I may or may not take a break next week to catch up on stuff. We'll see. Um, if I do release an episode, it'll be a pleasant surprise. But if not, please don't be disappointed. I need to get some stuff done. So thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever service you listen to. And it just means a lot to me if you could share it around too. I love seeing that number go up. What can I say? I'm human. I love seeing number go up. It's good to me. Unless it's debt. I'd rather debt number go down. So have a good morning, day, night, evening, outside of space time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye.